Hello and welcome to another episode of JG Ministries Bible Study, where we study God's Word. I'm Jeffrey, minister and chaplain with JG Ministries, and I'm glad to have you with us. Be sure to follow this podcast to receive notifications every time there is a new podcast. We are studying the book of Luke, and we are almost finished with chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to chapter 4, and we'll begin with verse 36. Let's get into it. Now, we have seen the temptation of Jesus by the devil. We've seen how Jesus was rejected from the synagogue in his hometown. And now we start to see Jesus' ministry and his power through the miracles he performs. When we left off last time, we had just witnessed how Jesus had cast a demon out of a man. Jesus had gone to Capernaum and was teaching in the synagogue when a demon-possessed man interrupted the worship with shouts to the Lord. Now Christ rebukes the demon and casts the demon out of the man. And now we pick up with the amazement of those who hear him. So verse 36 begins, Then they were all amazed and spoke among themselves, saying, What a word is this? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And the report about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. Now he arose from the synagogue and entered Simon's house. But Simon's wife's mother was sick with a high fever, and they made request to him concerning her. So he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she arose and served them. When the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many crying out and saying, You are the Christ, the Son of God. And he, rebuking them, did not allow them to speak, for they knew that he was the Christ. Now when it was day, he departed and went to the deserted place. And the crowd sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also. But for this purpose, I have been sent. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Galilee. And that takes us to the end of chapter 4. <clears throat> but beginning to talk about verses 36 and 37, once again, Luke notes the amazement of the people. The people were amazed. This time, the amazement was not only at his teaching and authority, but also at his power. What was different about the words of Jesus that unclean spirits obeyed him? What was that indefinable authority and power with which he spoke. No wonder the reports about him spread throughout the surrounding region. All the physical miracles of Jesus are pictures of similar miracles he performs in the spiritual realm. For instance, the following miracles in Luke convey these spiritual lessons. The theme of the spread of the gospel finds expression in the conclusion of the narrative. Leading us into verses 38 and 39, next, Jesus makes a sick call at Simon's house. Now, Jesus' healing ministry continues in a more private setting. It's in the home of Peter's mother-in-law. Now, this is the first time Simon, or Peter, as he's commonly known after Jesus had changed the name, is mentioned in this gospel. Now, Simon was renamed by Jesus to Peter. And we'll cover that further on in our study. 
But both this passage and 1 Corinthians chapter 9 inform us that Peter was married. A lot of what we know about the disciples is a mystery, but we do know that Peter was married. Simon's wife's mother was sick. She had a high fever. And this crisis of serious illness in the family gives an occasion for Jesus to help. Now, as soon as the Lord rebuked the fever, it left her immediately. Jesus rebukes the fever, as he had earlier rebuked the demon. Now, the woman immediately arises because the cure was not only immediate, but it was complete, and she was able to get up and serve the household. Now, usually a great fever, it'll leave a person weak and listless. So the fact that she just immediately rises is a complete and wonderful miracle. The fever was gone, and she was back to 100% health. That's something to take a point on of how miraculous this is. Now, in verses 41 and 41, we have the power of diseases and demons. One of the most beautiful scenes in Scripture is going to now follow. As the Sabbath drew to a close, the crowds have apparently waited till evening. Now, in the remaining hours of diminishing light, these people were freed from enforced inactivity. They brought a great number of invalids and demonics, those who were demon-possessed. They brought these people to Jesus. They performed a labor of love that they could not do on the Sabbath, and that was carrying the sick to Jesus. That was considered laborous work. You could not work on the Sabbath. In fact, uh, we have traditions that say that people weren't even allowed to cook on the Sabbath. Therefore, they prepare their meals before the Sabbath so they would have something to eat. But they performed a labor of love. And uh, none of them came in vain. Jesus healed every one of those who were diseased, and he cast out everyone that had a demon. He cast out the demons. Many of those who profess to be faith healers today confine their miracles to pre-chosen candidates. But Jesus healed every single person that came to him. And it is noteworthy that Jesus himself has not yet ventured out on the Sabbath to perform healings publicly. Now Luke carefully distinguishes between those who were just sick and those who were demon-possessed. Now, this warns us not to assume that the gospel writers thought of all disease was caused by demons. Now, Luke mentions that Jesus laid his hands on the people who came to him, showing that Jesus was the source of the healing power and that Jesus had a personal concern over each and every one of these people that came to him for healing. The demons called Jesus the Son of God. The, the demons know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. They know it without a doubt. But Jesus would not accept the testimony of any demon. So that's why these demons must be silenced as we read. They knew that he was the Messiah, but God had other and better instruments to announce the fact that he was the Son of God. He didn't need no demon to try and tell people about that. 
So in verses 42 to 44, we shift quickly from dusk to dawn. Luke portrays Jesus in a sharply contrasted setting. The next day, Jesus retired to a deserted place near Capernaum. Jesus is alone. Now, surprisingly, in view of his spatial attention to prayer, Luke does not tell us that Jesus is praying, but Luke does strongly affirm why Jesus refused to linger at Capernaum. Jesus felt an urgent need to preach the kingdom of God throughout all the lands of the Jews, and that is why God sent Jesus into the world. The crowd sought till they found him. They looked and looked and found him. They urged Jesus not to leave, but Jesus reminds them that he had work to do in other cities of Galilee. And so from synagogue to synagogue, Jesus went preaching the good news about the kingdom of God. Now, Jesus himself is the king. He desired to reign over them, but first they must repent. He would not reign over a people who clung to their sins. This was the obstacle. They wanted to be saved from political problems, but not from their sins. And that wraps us up with chapter 4. Now, we're going to begin chapter 5 here. <clears throat> and this is going to be an exciting chapter as well. Uh, calling the first disciples uh, the power through training others. This is where the disciples are called by Jesus. He picks his disciples. Now, in contrast to Matthew chapter 4 and Mark chapter 1, Luke's account of the call of the disciples is much more complete, containing the unique encounter, especially between Jesus and Peter. Now, Luke also stresses the sovereignty and the holiness of Jesus and mentions the total abandonment of the disciples. Their, their abandonment of their possessions as an act of discipleship that we are going to see later on in chapter 14 when we get to it. But in all these Gospels, the climax is a call to catch men, fishers of men, followed by the obedience of the disciples. So let's go ahead and turn to chapter 5, and let's read a few of the verses here, Begin with verse 1. So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Genesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and talked to multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let your nets down for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I'll let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats, so they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish with they, which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to the land, 
they forsook all and followed him. Now, verses 1 to 3, we have Luke who begins this story mentioning the pressures of the crowds, as he occasionally does elsewhere, and that we'll see in, in chapters 8 and 19. Their attention is on the word of God that's spoken by Jesus. Now, the shore of the lake provided an excellent acoustically serviceable amphitheater. There's a natural surrounding where Jesus's voice could be heard. Now, Luke being observant of detail, he draws our attention to two boats, and then he singles out Simon as the owner of one of them. Now, Jesus gets into the boat and then again teaches, his voice carrying across the water to the crowds. So we see several lessons that emerge from this simple account of the call of Peter. We see that the Lord used Peter's boat as a pulpit, if you will, from which to teach the multitude. If we yield all of our property and possessions to the Savior, it is wonderful how Christ uses them and rewards us too. We also see that Jesus told Peter exactly where to find plenty of fish after Peter and the others had toiled all night without success. The omnipotent Lord knows where the fish are running. Now, omnipotent means all-knowing, and God is all-knowing. A service uh, carried on by their own wisdom and strength is futile. Without God, we have or we can't do anything on our own. Now, the secret of success in Christian work is to be guided by Him, by Jesus our Savior. That's the whole secret. Now, Peter was an experienced fisherman. This was his business. He'd done this all of his life. But he accepted advice from a carpenter, if you will, as far as he knew at the time. Uh, and as a result, his nets were filled. Now, this shows the value of humility. It shows the value of teachability and of implicit obedience. And that's what Jesus looks for in us. Now, verses 4 and 5, we have the sharp contrast between the expert but unsuccessful fisherman and Jesus's needs no comment. Jesus's command must have seemed unreasonable to them because they had failed during the night before. Peter, uh, who was here called by his original name, Simon Peter, he reluctantly does what Jesus says. He told Jesus, hey, we've been out all night. We haven't caught a thing, but, you know, if you say to do it, we'll go ahead and do it. Now, it was in deep waters that the nets were filled to the breaking point. So we must quit hugging the shore as Christians. We must launch out on full surrender to tide. We have to go out into the depths as well by God's lead. Faith has its deep waters. It really does. And so do suffering, sorrow, and loss. It is in these that fill the nets with fruitfulness. Now we see in scripture that their net began to break and the boats began to sink. Christian directed service produces problems, but what delightful problems they are. 
Many fish, but the boat was sinking. They're the kind of problems that thrill the heart of a true fisherman. Fishermen love to have a huge catch. Okay, verses 6 to 11 that I want to group together uh, is going to be just a little time consuming. So I want to hold off for now. We'll pick that up on next time. But until next time, God bless you and keep living Christian strong.